0: The following message by Pastor Tim is brought to you by Together in Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. We're almost done with Galatians. Two more sermons, including today's. Um, We'll be through Galatians, have journeyed all the way through that book together. Last time we were together, uh, we looked at chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. And we saw that we were called as a, as a church family to do a couple things. One is to restore a brother or a sister uh, who is lost in sin. And what that looks like to, re, to restore them back, it's a difficult process, difficult thing to do. But it's something that we are called to do. And then the other thing is we've been called to bear burdens for each other. And we do this because of the love that we have for each other through Christ. And that's something that needs to be and is so foundational for us that our connection that we have together is through Christ. It's not through hobbies that we have. It's not through things that we have alike uh, in this world. What binds us together is Jesus. And yes, we might have some other interests, some other things. And that's what I hear talked about in the hallways. And those are good things. It's good to talk about those things. But What binds us together aren't those things. What binds us together is Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And now, it's not an easy task at all to restore each other. It's not an easy task at all to bear each other's burdens, uh, to continue to lift each other up. But it's something that we must do if we're going to be faithful. And today in the section that we're going to look at, verse 6 through 10, Paul continues with some very practical instructions to the church family, and to us even this morning. And it really still comes off of what we talked about last time I had the opportunity to preach a couple of weeks ago. And it really is a very plain teaching, but it's really important. I mean, when you read it, it seems very simple. And you think, man, Paul, you were smart. You could have thought of something maybe bigger, something kind of grander, grander -er." but he doesn't. He says, he uses something simple that we'll, that we'll see. So follow along with me in Galatians chapter six, verse six through 10. It says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Well, as we reap and sow, that's something that happens to me this morning. As I reap and believe that we should preach through books of the Bible, we get to passages that normally you'd skip. Uh, Normally, as a pastor, you might not preach this. Or as pastors, they preach this too much and preach it all the time. But verse 6 is not a favorite of mine to talk about. It's not a favorite of mine to preach on. I actually asked our our prayer meeting group on Wednesday to pray for me specifically in preaching verse 6. Because I want to be faithful to this passage the best that I can. And if you look at verse six, it says, let him who is taught the, the word share in all good things with him who teaches. I believe this falls in line with the bearing burden section that we looked at before. And Paul is trying to transition to his next analogy that he's going to use in a moment in verses uh, seven through eight, seven through 10. And so what we see here is it kind of seems like Paul just throws this verse in. That was really my struggle as I was reading it. It's like It just seems like Paul threw this in all of a sudden. Why all of a sudden would Paul say to share with the teacher, to share with those who are preaching God's word to you? I really think it's twofold. I think there's a a twofold reason uh, that Paul does this. First, I do think that Paul has in mind financial and material things. I tried my best to get away from that as I studied this passage. I really did. I said, I don't want to bring this up. That can't be what he's talking about. There's, there's no way that this is what Paul's talking about. It's gotta be something else. And so I can't tell you how many commentaries I read and I can't tell you how, I can tell you. I went way back in time, all right? Way back in history, trying to read. And everybody was really consistent with this, saying that, yes, what we're being called to do is to help support those who teach God's word to us. This isn't a foreign idea to the Bible. This isn't the only place that this says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, Paul would say, in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And then Jesus, in talking to his disciples as he would send them out in Luke chapter 10, verse 7, would tell them and remain in the same house eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his Wages. So what Paul's getting at is as these people preach God's word to you and teach God's word to you, they are studying, they are training, they are they are spending their time making sure that what they are saying and what they are doing is good for your soul, so that it's true for for your soul, so that you can be changed, so that so that you can grow. And Paul's saying we should return that favor by taking care of them. Now, something that has to be understood is bad pastors abuse this. And we see evidence of this all over the place. And it's, it's, not, it's not hard to find bad pastors abusing this passage. I'm sure you could turn your TV on and there's people saying, you know, give me $1,000 and you'll be blessed. Look, it says it right here. You reap what you sow. Pay, pay your pastor well. I thought about putting my name on the screen so you spelled it right. You know, make sure you spell it right when you put it on there. Because if you give to me, you will be blessed. And I know, I hope that sounds foolish to you. I really do. But it happens. It happens all over the place. Those are not good pastors. They're not honoring this passage. Now, a good pastor feels the weight of this verse. That they earn their wages. Right? That That it's... Earned. I think a good pastor needs to be a hard worker. And I don't mean a hard worker by maybe digging ditches or making sure they're at your house, taking care of your things or whatever. I mean a hard worker that's diligent in prayer, diligent in studying God's Word, diligent in practicing the craft of, of speaking, of getting it out eloquently, of getting it out so that it makes sense. That's what a good pastor does, and they should have time to do that. And that's what Paul is getting at. Paul is saying it's a struggle to do this. Now, you say, but Paul worked. Yeah, Paul did work. But I would say what Paul is saying is he's kind of the exception to that rule. Sadly, I've known of pastors who've had to leave the ministry because their church was not faithful in this. Their church would say, well, you should do this out of the love of the heart of the Lord that you have in your heart. Well, that, that's great. And I know the Bible says to eat of my flesh and to drink of my blood, but the reality is I still need to eat food. I still need to have money to be able to drink, to take care of a family. And so just like there are bad pastors out there, there's bad churches out there who abuse this as well. But secondly, and I, and I do have to say, the Missionary Baptist Church is very fair to their pastors. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I never complain about that. But then secondly, I think this Paul is hinting at those who teach. This is a big one for me, that those who teach as they teach you, they need to see the benefits of their teaching in the lives of those who teach. That it's actually having an effect, that it's actually working. And so I would encourage you with your Sunday school teachers, with your pastors, with those of you who teach you the word of God to share with them the joys of growth that's happening in your life. To share with them in, in service, in joining alongside of them, in, in serving. I know for me, there's not much things better than hearing how God is using his word to transform lives. There's nothing better for me than that. When somebody comes up to me and says, you know this sermon that you preached? You said this. And my response is, I did? All right. I hope that's good. I think that was right. Well, God used that in my life. God really changed my life when when you said that. There's nothing better than hearing that. But you know what's sad? What's really hard for me is studying, is preparing, is diving into a passage, spending time in prayer, spending time in much meditation and much thought, and then looking up from the pulpit and just seeing people you know should be here and they're not that they're not even joining with us to worship or to come and to hear God's word preached. Now that, for me, that's difficult. And it's not because I'm afraid, oh, they're going to another church. That, that's you. If you wanna do that, go ahead. But it hurts me when I know they're, they're just not here. No, it was nice outside. So we thought we'd go to the pumpkin patch. Oh, no, it was my kid's birthday. So we, we had a birthday party at lunch. So pastor, we couldn't be there. No, I'm not saying you have to be here all the time and vacation is needed and rest is needed. But for me personally, as your pastor, one of the great benefits and the great joys is to look up and to see your face as I get to preach God's word to you and to share with you what God has laid on my heart, what God has revealed to be true. And it hurts me when you're not here because I believe this is our source of life. I believe that this is our source of truth. And when you miss that, you are missing out Not because you're not hearing me, because you're not hearing God's word preached. And God has established in his word, whether you like it or not, that it is through preaching that he works and that he moves. That's the avenue that he has chosen. And so share with those the growth. That's to be selfish. That's why I'm doing the leaf thing. I want to see what God's doing in your life. I want to hear what is happening in your life. So I hope you'll be part of that. Well, as we move on to verse 7, we get into the meat. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. We must understand this morning that God is not somebody who can be mocked. It's not somebody that we can play a game with. What, What does this mean, mocking God? Well, to mock God means to try to play him as a fool. To mock God means to kind of look at him and say, You are ignorant. To think that we can get away with something, to think that we can trick him, to think that we can twist his word and use it against him, maybe in some way. The fact remains, many people mock God in Psalm 74, verse 22. It says to us, arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. I don't think you'd have to look far to find somebody mocking God. Man, in my own life at times, I feel like it's me. I don't have to look past me as if I can get away with something. In, in Scripture, we can go to all kinds of places. King Herod mocked God in Acts chapter 12, verse 20 and 23. And if you want to share a story that your kids will absolutely love, especially if they're a boy, read this to them. I'm going to read it to them right now. Actually, I'm going to take that time. Listen, it says, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an or- oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last you say, well, what King Herod did doesn't seem too bad. He's not the one who was shouting he was a God. Oh, but he accepted their praise. He sat on that throne with his royal robes and he accepted accepted their praise. No doubt he probably looked around, looking at them all, just taking it on. And at that very moment, God said, I will not be mocked by you. I know you think you're a big shot, but boom, dead, eaten by worms, nothing. Literally shown to be nothing. Maybe you feel like you can outwit God. Well, There was a guy by the name of Achan in Joshua chapter 7 who thought he could outwit God as well. And when Israel would go and plunder Jericho and they would see how God would make the walls fall down and they would go in there, Achan would take some things for himself that he should not take and he buried it inside his family's tent. And maybe you know the story. Israel would go to fight AI. They would lose that battle. They were very confused because it should have been an easy victory. But God would say it's because there's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp and they would finally figure out who it was. It would go to Achan. And when Achan would then confess, what Israel realized very quickly is that, listen, God will not be mocked. And Achan, along with his whole family, would face death. They would all die because of their sin of stealing from the Lord. Or maybe this morning you think, Well, I can hide from God. This is a big world. God has a lot on his mind. God has a lot to do. There's a lot of people. Maybe I can just sneak into the back of service and nobody will really notice me. Well, the Bible tells us that the Lord will notice you. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 through 13, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him him to whom we must give account. We cannot hide from God. We cannot hide from his word. And what Paul says there at the end of verse 7. He says, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Paul uses a very easy analogy here, an agricultural analogy. It's something that we can all understand. It's pretty simple. If you plant corn you get corn or you get nothing if you're not any good at planting, right? If I plant green beans, I get green beans. I mean, that's, that's just how it works. It would be very dumb for us to think, you know, God, all I can afford is this piece of corn, but I really would like carrots. So turn this into a carrot, please. And we'd bury it. No, we're gonna get corn. I mean, that's, that's how it works. Now, some people say that this analogy falls in line with, With verse 6 of what we already talked about, about bearing the burden of others, of of bearing the burdens of your teachers. And as you share with those who teach, as you bear burdens, God will reward you and you will reap a reward. Now, I do believe in that. I don't believe that as we do works for the Lord that we're doing it to reap benefits, that we're doing it to get healed or anything like that. I don't agree with that, but we cannot deny that Scripture speaks all over the place of how as we obey, God blesses. There is blessing with obedience, even if it just wells up in our heart. But Paul's going to go on in verse eight to explain this out further. And so look with me. He first says, if you reap to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. So he who sows to the flesh reaps corruption. When we we sow the seeds of Galatians chapter five, verse 19 through 21. And you can look there. It's right there. You shouldn't even have to turn a page, probably. It's probably on the same page. When we we live our life this way, sowing the works of the flesh, what do we get? Well, we get corruption. Because as we look at these things, all of these things are selfish. That's all they are. They're 100% selfish. We do them for ourselves because we think they're going to help us or they're going to make us Happy, But really what happens in the end is our flesh devours us and it destroys us and it steals from us hope. It steals from us joy. It steals from us peace. And God says, well, of course, I cannot be mocked. If you're going to go and sow of the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. You're going to reap corruption. That is what will be your downfall. We fail so often to live up to what God has called us to do. To which is not to be selfish, but to care for others. And when we do this, we rob ourselves. We continually rob ourselves of the joy that is promised by God. And and you know this feeling. If you're a Christian in here this morning, I, I have no doubt you know this feeling, even though I wish we didn't. But you know what it feels like to have sin in your heart decaying you. To where maybe even right now, you, you sit in here right now and, and you think, if people in here knew what was going on in my heart, they would realize how hurting I am because of sin in my life. I'm a joke right now. I'm a mockery right now. I'm not being real right now. and you know, oh, you might have everybody else in here fooled, but God cannot be mocked. God cannot be mocked. And the sad fact is too many times we walk into this church building on Sunday morning and we're asking for God to bless us. We're praying, God, bless me. God, God, heal me. God, God, restore me. God, do all these things for me. But yet all week long, all we have sown is fleshly things. That's all we've been doing all week long, sowing fleshly things. And we're saying, God, come on, in your great mercy, take my sin and turn it into spiritual fruit. That's not how it works. That's why this analogy is so simple. That's why it is so plain. You have to be ignorant to think that's how it works. But yet many of us will complain all week long. Lord, you don't care. Lord, you don't love me. Lord, where are you in this moment? And God's saying, you continue to plant apple seeds thinking I'll give you a pumpkin. It doesn't work that way. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. I hope I've done my best to show how foolish this way of thinking is. And I hope you understand. Paul goes on. He says, but those who sow in the spirit reap everlasting life. Paul's been talking about this in chapter five numerous times. Verse 16, he would say, walk in the spirit. Verse 18, be led by the spirit he would talk about the fruit of the spirit. This is what we are called to do is to sow seeds of the spirit in our life, that this is our task, that this is our job. And so what it looks like, I think is, is very simple. We pray that God would number one, make our hearts fertile soil. Say, God, make my heart fertile for these seeds of truth. You guys know if you, if you farm or anything like that, if if you just go out in your garden and you just throw seed all out in your garden, that, that don't work. You got to till it up. You got to work the ground. You got to plant the seed. Right? You got to do it all right. You take care of it and you, and you tend to it. And so we must pray, Lord, make my heart fertile ground, ready to see fruit taking place. We must read and meditate God's wor- in God's word daily, multiple times daily reminding ourselves of his truth as implanting those seeds then in our heart along with that we exercise the fruit of the spirit you can read them it's not hidden love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control practice those things sow those seeds i'm not perfect in that patience is one of the last things especially driving I get so mad and Amanda will just look at me and say, are you this mad? Yes, I am. Well, you need to work on that. Well, you need to mind your business. (laughs) And listen, all the while, while those are coming out of my mouth, I know I'm wrong. Absolutely know I'm wrong. And I know she's right. That's just sowing seeds of corruption. And even in something that foolish, I am called to sow seeds of the spirit and trust that God will use it. You might say, well, nobody's in the car with me. Who knows? Who cares? Oh, God will not be mocked. Oh, nobody might hear it. But the Lord hears it. And as we sow those seeds, we will reap what we sow. Along with practicing the fruit of the spirit, we worship the Lord together. We praise him together. Yes, we do it as individuals, hopefully, but we do not neglect the gathering of each other. What time is it? I would love to stay on this forever. Our our pews should be full. There's no reason. And it's easy for us in here to agree because you're here. But about 25% of you won't be here next week because I know that's how it works. And the other 25% who are gone will be here next week. And our numbers look the same every week. But listen, it's different people. And really on Easter, which should be just an exciting morning, really is a heartbreaking morning normally for me. Because I stand on this stage and I see, last year, 900 people in these pews. All of whom I knew almost. Nobody surprised me. Oh, there's some guests sprinkled in here or there. But most of the people you look at and you say... You should be here every week. Where are you? Where are you every week? I need you. We need each other. Neglecting worship is one of the worst things that we can do as a Christian. Going and living in our little hobbit hole all by ourselves is not what God has designed. God has designed us to be together, worshiping him together. And so when we sow that seed of independence... We reap corruption. God calls us to care for the needy. He calls us to bear burdens. He calls us to restore brothers and sisters in love. These are the things that we sow. These are the things that go unnoticed by most of the world. Yeah, we're not out there for everybody to see. But none of you saw me plant my garden. Nobody's out there watching the farmer plant his field. It's boring as can be to watch that stuff. But that's what it takes to reap good things. So the Lord says, be faithful in these things. And after this, we watch the Lord do his work and bring forth his crop. Only he can do that. He has to be the one to do that. Listen, the farmer can go out in that field and he can till that soil. Oh, he can put all the fertilizer down that he wants. He can do absolutely everything. Perfect. Follow the farmer's almanac, all that, all that stuff. And nail it perfectly. But the fact of the matter remains true. Every farmer I've ever met is always nervous. What if it doesn't come up? What if it doesn't produce? What if we get too much rain? What if we don't get enough sunshine? What if it frosts too early? All these things 100% out of their control. And only the Lord can bring up that crop. He's the only one that can do it. Well, the same goes in your life. You cannot save a soul, including your own. You cannot do it. But what you can do is you can sow the seeds of the spirit and trust that God will do his work. Paul knows our thoughts with this. And that's why he says what he does in verse nine. Listen, and let us not grow weary. Hear it again. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This is the truth, brothers and sisters. Do not grow weary in reaping of the Spirit. Oh, you probably won't see results instantly. Oh, you might get a little, don't get me wrong, you might get a little bit of joy. If you take this sermon seriously and you go home and this week you start praying more and you start reading his word more and you really take it serious. I dare say you will experience some joy right away. You will. Because you're obeying the Lord and you know it's a good thing. But you might not see these great results. And Paul knew that. And so he says, do not grow weary. The Christian life is about perseverance. It's a marathon. It's not a quick thing. The task seems very daunting. Oh, the skeptics, they get really loud. The hurt is extremely Real. Oh, it's so real. And the frustration is often. It's very often. Yet, we are called in the grace of God to press on with the work the Lord has given us. We continue to press on. Oh, people will come to me, well, Pastor Tim, I don't, I don't like what we do in service. Press on. Keep going. Who cares? Press on forward because that is what we do. I don't like you, but I got to talk to you sometimes. I got to press on. We know how that goes. in our families, we don't like each other all the time. Oh, but you got to press on. That's what we continue to do. And God promises this for us in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 to 31. And I trust somebody needs this badly this morning. And I hope this is encouraging to your soul. And Isaiah 40 says this, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall fall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the promise we have as Christians. As we sow to the Spirit, oh, the Lord strengthens us. The Lord renews us. And so when those skeptics come and they they mock us, we say, oh, you may mock us, but God can't be mocked. God can't be mocked, and I'm not about to mock him. And so I'm going to continue to go. I'm going to continue to serve. I'm going to continue to love, and I'm going to continue to trust that God is moving and that God is working. Listen, in your life, you may not see the results here. That's just the truth. You might not see the results here, but you'll reap those rewards one day in glory with him. You will then know. I found this encouraging as I was, as I was reading. Somebody said, you know, by, by your faithfulness, oh, you might not be blessed, but your kids might be down the road and your grandkids and their kids and their kids because of your faithfulness. Oh, you didn't feel it. You didn't experience it. Maybe you didn't even see it. But how many people could say that? Oh, I was saved because of my grandfather. Oh, he died before I was saved, but his faith pointed me to the gospel. Your grandfather doesn't know that, but oh, his faithfulness, he's reaped his reward. And maybe now your kids are here and they've been saved by the grace of God and they've been, they've been baptized and it's all because granddad was, was faithful even in the midst of not seeing blessing. Think about the many missionaries around the world who've rarely saw fruit for their endeavors. But yet after their passing, more came in because of their faithfulness. And now people groups who are completely lost have Christians within those people groups. There's churches within those people groups because of faithful missionaries who experienced Isaiah 40 and lived faithfully. Well, then lastly, in verse 10, Paul says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Oh, what a timely word we have here. What a blessing God has given us by his grace to be in this passage this morning. As we do good to our fellow Christians, it should spill outside of these walls to those around us. Paul says specifically to us, we do good to each other. But we have so much good to do that it will burst out of these walls. It will affect the community. It will go out there. We need to be known as do-gooders. You know, at one time, Christians were known as that, and now it's become derogatory. Well, you're just a do-gooder. That's what you do. You just go out and do good. Yeah, we need to do good. We need to do good for other people. The problem is, oftentimes, we don't have... We don't do enough good within these walls for it to spill out. We don't care enough like we should. See, too often, Christians in this world are seen as unflattering light. And I want you to catch this. We're not seen as unflattering because of our theology. We're not seen as unflattering because of our doctrine. In fact, we're seen as unflattering because we don't have enough of that. We don't live it out. As we understand the great graces of our Lord, as we understand the truths of his word, all it can do is impact us. The only thing it can do is change us because we will begin reaping and sowing new things in our life. And God said, you will produce everlasting life. If we know the truths of God's word, If we believe them, if we believe Jesus is what Paul is telling us in Galatians, that Jesus has done this for us, I don't know how we can't do good. I don't know how there's anything else that we can do other than good. And so this isn't hard to understand. Uh, I, I mean, I can't find it in the Greek and make it change. No, it means do good. And so I hope that's what we do. As a church family, let us love each other so that it will spill, just spill out of these walls into the community around us so that they will then experience the love that God has for them. And then we will trust that God by his great grace will bring them in with us. You know, a a good thing that you could do this week is to invite someone to church. Invite someone to service. Statistics still show us if you invite someone to church, there's a high percentage chance that they will say yes, that they will come, that they will be a part. And I've made this promise to you before, and I will continue to make this promise. If you bring them, they will hear the gospel. They will hear God's word taught. They will be loved through God's word. So let's be a people that does not grow weary in doing good. We mount up on eagles' wings. We, We rest under the arms of the Lord. And that we do not neglect each other, but we serve each other. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know about you, but studying this passage whooped me. It really did. God really took me to task. In that one little phrase, and I want you to think about it with your head bowed and your eyes closed. God said, I will not be mocked. (laughs) How often in my life I think I can outwit God. I think I can talk my way out of it. That's not how it works. What you sow, you reap. God, this morning, I pray that we would be people that would sow in the spirit, not in the flesh. Oh God, when we sow in the flesh, it might feel good for a moment. Oh, maybe even for a week or two, we just are on cloud nine because of what we've experienced. But God, you can't be mocked. And we will reap what we have sown, which is corruption, which is shame, which is guilt. And so God, we just went all through Galatians and saw how we are saved by your grace. It's it's not of works that saves us. We cannot... about that it says in Ephesians but God when you save us by your grace oh it should cause us to have a strong desire to do good oh it should cause us God to not be weary but God we need each other in this we need to encourage each other on we need to be surrounded with fellow Christians to help us persevere because God so often we want to quit we get tired we get hurt Somebody says something that really cuts us deep. But then we have brothers and sisters there to encourage us. To love on us. God, help us as a church family to love each other. How you've called us to do. And I pray that it would spill out of these walls into this community. And that we would just continue to sow the spirit day in and day out. And God, I have no doubt that you will bless that. Oh, we might not see it, but on the road, maybe God, you will do your work. And so we trust you with that God this morning in this place, I pray that we would respond to God's word, how we should, as we sing this song, God, maybe some need to repent of sin in their life, of flesh that they continue to, to sow into the ground. God, I pray that they would do that faithfully this morning. God, maybe others are tired and they need to fall before you admitting how they're tired and rest on you this morning. God, I just pray that your will would be done during this time. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Tim from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.